Hey, everybody. Have you ever watched a game and said to your buddies, I knew, insert player name here, was going to do that? Alas, the sports gods have delivered us a solution. The Thrive Fantasy app. Thrive is a -a one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app specifically for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier athletes in the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports. For the NFL, you choose 10 out of 20 player prop options, and yes, even Falcons players are available. For fans of the NBA, MLB, or PGA and esports events, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to complete your lineup. Thrive even offers new contests daily for each PGA event, meaning if your golfer doesn't make the cut, you'll still have a chance to win big. By this time, you should be asking, but Nick, how do I make money? Well, Each prop has an associated over or under fantasy point total based on its likelihood to occur. But beware, the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. By racking up the most points, you win the prize pool. And since launching in 2018, Thrive has paid out more than $1.3 million in prizes. So what are you waiting for? Use promo code ROOM303 when you sign up and receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Yes, that's $20. And also, code ROOM303. Download Thrive Fantasy and prop up today. Not all states qualify. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Today's date is August 24th. It is a Monday. It is Mamba Day. It is episode 24 of Room 303. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez, and this is my co-host. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Morahan coming. Uh, I, f- I always feel like I need to hit a DJ voice, like coming at you on the ones and twos. Live uh, and we, in the we, mix. We did not plan for episode 24 to be Kobe Day. But episode 24 in the month of August, 824, that's for us. That's for Podcast Room 303. And it's going to be largely a Kobe-themed episode. We'll do we'll do breaking news, of course, and a little bit of fight him and cut him. But the main juice and squeeze of this uh, podcast is going to be a celebration of the life of the life and times of Kobe Bryant. Absolutely. As a big time Kobe hater slash Kobe fan myself, this should be a fun retrospective of the life that was, the life that is. His impact is ever reaching in today's game. It's pretty outstanding. So Nick and I will definitely touch on that later, but let's go ahead and pop off with today's trivia question. And in honor of Mamba Day, I figured we'd go Mamba-themed trivia. Right? So today's question Makes is, sense. today's question is what is Kobe Bryant's playoff career high? Bonus. Career high for points, by the way. Bonus. What year was it and against which opponent? It's a great question. All right, sweet guess, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he probably dropped 50 plus, uh, his single, his playoff game high. When did Shaq leave the team? Shaq left 
Uh, yeah, in 04, he was traded to the Miami Heat. Miami Heat. So I'm going to say 55 points in 2005. And this is the playoffs? Oh, Jesus. I don't know, the Dallas Mavericks or something. The Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. 2005, 55 in 05 against Dallas Mavericks, area code 505. Yes. Yes. I'm just kidding. I may, I don't know it. I think Dallas area code is like 469 or something like that. 469, damn she fine? <laughs> 469, damn she fine. I don't know. That's not a real song. Anyways, carry on. So Nick gave his guess. He'll find out the answer at the end of the podcast, which is how trivia normally goes unless what Nick tells it. Hey, man, I'm just – I'm giving him sneak previews. So – we need to cover something about Nick talks out of his ass. Mr. Unlimited uh, was an old video. It came out about two years old, two years ago. Uh, that was the first time I've seen it, and it was cringeworthy. So he still belongs on Find Him and Cut Him for that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say. May I assert it? It holds up in cringeworthiness after two years. So good job, Russell. You made me cringe two years later. And just like that cringe-worthy uh, performance Russell Wilson and his wife, Sierra, gave us, the NFL had a cringe-worthy moment this weekend with 77 positive COVID-19 tests. But then it turned out, ah, it all came from one lab where false positives were coming out of New Jersey. So, you know, false positives are a prevalent issue with COVID-19 testing. The NFL seems to have dodged a bullet, but... Could you imagine if they got these test results back the day before or they got the test results on Sunday and the team was playing on Monday night football and they had yeah, to postpone that Monday night football game? It'd probably be a big mess. I don't know what the season's going to look like for the NFL. I I am still in the boat of hoping that it's going to happen. I have not yet entered the lifeboat of this season's going to happen. I am still hoping that it will happen. So this is a this is probably a uh, I hope not an indication of the positive tests, uh, like in the in the nation. But uh, yeah, it's good to see that 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 these were actually false positive tests. But yeah, I don't know what I don't know what a team would do if they got you know they got the results back on even a Saturday, right? And they got to, You know they have to bench those players. And they play the game on Sunday, and they lose the game. Let's say Lamar Jackson gets COVID, and the Ravens have to bench him and isolate him, and then they lose. Obviously, no RG three for the win, dog. That's probably RG three, RG three. All right, let's say the entire quarterback room of the Ravens goes down, and they have to play uh, Sam Koch as their uh, as their emergency backup QB. Still better than Alex Smith. Oh Jesus! He just said an emergency QB punter is. But well, basically, what I'm saying is, if if a critical team member misses a game, and then it's revealed on Sunday night or Monday morning that oh, it was a false positive. I mean, only 16 games. Yeah. So that's. I was actually thinking about this for fantasy football as well. Like, let's say, right? Because players lock or whatever, and let's say you have someone going Monday night. And, you know, there's an issue with COVID-19 or the game's postponed or whatever. Like, how do you determine what to do that week? Do you just scrap the whole that whole week? 
and nobody's wins or losses counts and you just move on to the next week. So this is what you do. Whoever was the, wherever they're playing next week, you have the team that they were supposed to be playing come out and then you play a double header. (laughs) So they play, (laughs) so they play their first game and then they get to play a double header after that. Yikes. That'd be brutal. That's not, that's, that's not actually what I think, everybody. I don't actually think that football teams should play double headers. Isolate in a bubble and play double headers. So uh, the NFL season is going to happen because one thing that we can bank on is that NFL owners are the greediest mofos of all professional sports. No and doubt. They are not not going to play this season. So I've never lost the thought in my head that this season's happening, especially with other sports already coming back. I have, uh, I did abandon fans in the stands, even though I bought tickets to the games. I did abandon that. And, you know, so I'm not shocked that they canceled tickets and stuff. But now it's coming out that some of these fan, these stands are going to be filled with, you know, 13,000. Like Miami just announced today that they're going to do 13,000 at their uh, Hard Rock Stadium. You know, spaced out, socially distanced, masks and everything. And I was just like, see? Even even in the midst of a pandemic, they're trying to eke out every dollar they can still maintain. Very true. We'll move on to a league that seems to be getting everything right with COVID in re- in response to COVID. But Adam Silver was on, had a conference call you know, with all the owners uh, and general manager and executives and stuff like that. And he discussed the possibility of imminent delays as far as the draft free agency and start of next season is concerned. So one of the big days for the NBA is Christmas day every year, but it looks like that is going to be in jeopardy for the 2020, 2021 season. Uh, seeing as the start projected start of the next season was supposed to be December 1st, but now with these imminent delays uh, stated as a few weeks, that would push it back. And I would almost, I'm almost willing to wager that the NBA would start probably turn of the year. It might just be an all calendar affair. I'm not sure if that's ever happened in the NBA. If they played a whole season, in just one calendar year. So that'd be pretty interesting to see. So two things on this. So you've you predicted this already. You predicted that delays would happen because they're trying to cram everything into a very condensed schedule, free agency and the draft and all that stuff. What what my thought is is that maybe this presents an opportunity for the NBA to do something that baseball completely bungled up. I know we talked about it on the earlier podcast that baseball had a chance to start on the 4th of July, which I would say is a, which not I would say is a huge weekend for baseball, right? You're not really doing that much guys. Good people go to baseball games and there's fireworks shows afterwards. It's, it's almost like a day. It's a day that the, that baseball banks on. I would say maybe if the NBA needs to push it, push for, trying to have the opening day, opening day on Christmas. I feel like that would be a pretty awesome pretty awesome thing for the NBA to do. What do you think about that? I'm not against it. I love NBA on Christmas Day. It's one of my highlights of Christmas because I don't really get caught up in like the gift-giving stuff. I just love kicking it with people, eating a bunch of food, and then just like relaxing and spending time. And usually NBA is uh, part of the family on that day for me. So 
I would love to see that happen, but if they do bypass Christmas Day altogether, the next day they should shoot for is Martin Luther King. Because Martin Luther King is uh, a, a real big day for the NBA as well. So that weekend they do a whole thing. And so if they, if they tipped on that day, that'd be pretty interesting. Or if they tipped early January, so that way the teams don't look as terrible <laughs> on, on Martin Luther King day. Exactly. Cause they have warm up and stuff, but that was, those were the two options I thought of, but uh situation's fluid. So we'll keep you guys posted as it comes in. Speaking of big time news, we've had some, coaching carousel news already because we've had the first victim of the NBA playoffs in that being the Philadelphia trash Sixers. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. 76ers. Yeah, that's wow. That was a, uh, what an error. I can't believe you did that. It's not like they, it's, it's not like they just got swept in a playoff series by their arch rival. Nonetheless, Uh, nonetheless, uh, nonetheless, that's like that's like NC State calling Duke or North Carolina our arch rivals in basketball. It's not really like a it's like a fun thing for us to say, but like no, no, no they're not. No, that's this is historically a big time rivalry, and the cities hate each other, the teams hate each other. It's a historic rivalry. This is a big time rivalry. This is the first time the Philadelphia 76ers have ever been swept by the Boston Celtics. Okay, so. Lately, it's an NC State UNC rivalry, whereas uh, one one team no, is a even, lesser product. That's not even close. NC State's never relevant in this. There's like these one-off years where they feel warm and fuzzy, like Rudy, but they're never relevant, dog. Come on now, don't even like what's what's the record of that series? Like, how bad are you getting smacked? I will Google it. Yeah, exactly. Keep, so keep so talking about your they, about they, your... they fired Brett Brown, bro. Long time coming. I've been His head has been on a platter for me all year. I have seen some awful bit of coaching from him. I saw it last year uh, once they traded for Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. And, oh, he, Jesus. and he refused – to give the ball, put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hand because it was making Ben Simmons mad because Ben Simmons refuses to shoot. So they were having issues as far as playing that way because Ben Simmons thought he should have the ball. But Jimmy Butler was the clear closer for the team and he showed it against the Toronto Raptors in that seven game series. He hit big shot after big shot after big shot in the fourth quarter. He kept them in those games against the eventual world champions. Not Ben Simmons, not Joel Embiid. Jimmy Butler did. And Brett Brown did not like Jimmy Butler, but even he acquiesced and finally, which he does not do, he adapted his offense to put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands at the end of the game. And it paid off. And if not for a miraculous Kawhi Leonard shot, (laughs) Brett Brown might still have his job today. Yeah, maybe. So, but uh, it didn't go, it didn't go like that. No, it did not. Instead, he went 221 and wins and 344 losses in seven years. Yeah, that was kind of shocking when I read that. Like, that was not good. And 12 and 14 in the playoffs. So, how many years did it take? How many years did it take until it went until he had a positive record above 500? I would. I think it took four years. Huh. Interesting. Uh, the total series. 
since 1949, 1950 with UNC and Duke. uh, This is basketball or football? Yeah, basketball. Yeah. NC State and North Carolina. Uh, NC State has won 57 uh, of their total 171 games. (laughs) I love the way you framed it. You framed it to make it look like it's going to be close or you had the lead. <laughs> you're it's called smacked, bro. It's called professional podcasting. You're getting smacked. Like I said, that's not listen, even in the realm of listen, rivalry. The only people who Linda, rival Linda, honey, NC State, bro. Linda, honey, listen. We've won 71 games against Duke. And we've played 166. So <laughs> at least they, at least they don't got 100 dubs. I I was not. I I was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. I was not saying that we do well against either of those two teams. I was just. I was making an inaccurate comparison. NC State is the only place that thinks they have a rivalry with those schools. The other schools. That's what I'm like, saying. We don't care. <laughs> do you think Boston thinks they have a rivalry with Philadelphia right now? Yes, they do. Well, right, right now, I, I, right now they do because they talk trash about it, but they know they're handing them their asses while doing it. <laughs> like, okay, I, di- I digress. I'm sorry to bring. I'm sorry to be so selfish and try to bring this rivalry to something that I know. <laughs> you don't know rivalries, dog. <laughs> Maybe you got Wake Forest, <laughs> dude. We, yeah, we do have Wake Forest. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, Wake Forest. Suck it, Wake Forest. (laughs) (laughs) You bumps. Other coaching news is Brooklyn Nets um, are planning to pursue a big-time name that I didn't even know was an option. I don't know if he's a free agent. Will you Google that for me? Yeah, I I was – well, see, here's here's how lost I was is I was going to ask you if he was. No, so you can trade for coaches just like you can trade for players. And stuff. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's still a uh, – he's the head coach and president. Yeah, dude. So Greg Popovich is rumored to be pursued by the Brooklyn Nets. First of all, that'd be so dope. He goes from black and silver to black and white. He oh, man. I mean, and, and you look at – you look at their potential lineup for next year, and if they had Pop coaching him, ah, I mean, it is Woo. scary. Start playing the Jaws music right now because the Nets, the Nets are coming for that Eastern Conference. Dude, they have such a stacked roster. So this is what I, I keep saying all the time when I talk about the Brooklyn Nets to my friends. I'm like, as long as the GM can resist the urge to package pieces for another max player, this team is going to be a gosh damn problem so now here's the question do you think he can do you think he can resist that urge if he focuses his efforts on trading for greg popovich probably <laughs> like yeah does he trade pieces for greg popovich uh, probably draft capital probably draft compensation right but you mortgage your future for your current especially if you got katie and Kyrie. i mean those picks are going to be like high 20s unless Kyrie does Kyrie things yeah. The MLB season is about a third of the way through already. So take me through some of your biggest surprises and disappointments. Uh all right, biggest surprises right now. Uh the Tampa Bay Devil Rays are leading the East. That's a big surprise. I didn't think they were going to do that well. Um the uh, a really big surprise that I had is the Central Division 
has the, in terms of wins, the central division has three of the top five baseball teams in the NL or in the AL. Sorry. And you told me nobody good was in that division when I picked the Indians. Uh, you want to go ahead and let the people at home know who's leading that division? Uh, the Twins. Exactly. Yeah, by, by a game and a half. <laughs> not not the Indians. Um, I, I didn't think Oakland was going to start as well as they did. They have a four and a half game lead over the Astros. Uh, and I thought the Angels would start a lot better than they did. They are eleven games back in the West already, and they are nine and twenty through the first. Uh, yeah, Angels through the first twenty nine games. Yeah, um, surprises. Um, the AL, the NL East is not good. Uh, the Braves are leading that game by that division by two games right now, and they're sixteen and twelve. Uh, Everybody is kind of hovering around the 500 mark. The Phillies are not good. The Nationals are not good. The Mets are in third place. Uh, equally, yeah, equally as surprised. The Man- the Miami Marlins are in second. That's an even that's an even crazier sentence. That's the biggest surprise of this so far. If you'd have told me that the Baltimore Orioles and the Miami Marlins halfway through the season would be 500, I would have slapped you in your face. So. And, and we, we we predicted the Red Sox were going to be terrible, so that's not really a surprise. I love it. Uh, the Central Division is kind of the same way. The Cubs are not playing de- very good baseball. They're playing very lucky baseball right now, and they're three games up in the Central. Uh, and the Cincinnati Reds and Milwaukee Brewers are not doing well. They're, they've won 42% of their games right now. They've only won 11 games. Uh, in the West, I mean, the the biggest surprise has kind of been I the the biggest surprise has been the Padres I did not think that the Padres had it this year I thought it was going to be next year that this youth revolution was going to take over San Diego um and then we got you know I I, I got uh my month of Colorado Rockies baseball in which they were leading the division that was fun um and then uh since then they're one and nine in their next 10 in their last 10 right now they've been so bad dude yeah they've they've had to play the dodgers a home and away against the astros the dodgers uh with two terrible seasons or two terrible series against the diamondbacks slapped on either end so uh yeah the season's pretty much over for the colorado rockies um in terms of uh what teams are are playing lucky and what teams are are not the cubs like i said are, are the luckiest team in baseball right now they're they're Three basically, uh, three wins luckier than they should be, right? The uh, Oakland A's are pretty lucky, and Tampa Bay is pretty lucky, but not enough that they wouldn't be leading their division anyway if they weren't. Uh, and the most unlucky teams are obviously the teams that are not that good. So the Angels, the Pirates, the Red Sox, the uh, Nationals, and the Royals are both unlucky teams, but it wouldn't really matter if they had their record. Uh, if, if they, uh, if they were playing even baseball, the scary thing is that the Dodgers are unlucky. <laughs> the how Dodgers. That, how is that possible? They, the Dodgers are, are minus one win due to luck right now. They gave up the least runs and score the most runs. How is that possible? <laughs> because they, they, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, 
They, yeah, I. So even if the even if the Cubs right because I do believe the Cubs are lucky. I've watched a few games this year and I've just shook my head like how. <laughs> How did we win these games? Yeah, but even if you took those three games away, I mean they're still leading by a half game, and that's against yeah they the yeah they still yeah they still lead the central if you take them away. Like I said, I mean no, there, there's no real like there's no no like play of luck that that would really that that's really gonna uh, that's really gonna be crazy right now. I, I would say that the the Padres, the Braves, and the Twins have no difference in wins due to luck. So, I mean, but it's too early to say whether whether or not those matter, right? So, uh, in terms of players of the week last week, Jose Abreu has been absolutely the the entire White Sox baseball team has been absolutely murdering baseballs as they, of late. They smacked the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the in the yeah in the battle for Chicago. But Jose Abreu over his la- over this last week, Jermaine is hitting five thirty three with seven home runs and fifteen RBIs. He had a home run, Jermaine, in four consecutive at bats. Jesus, doesn't don't the White White Sox aren't they tied for the lead in uh, home runs for the for the year with fifty four? I, I do not know, but if I mean, if if you you seem to be very specific with that stat, so I would assume so. Yeah, I believe I, mean, I read. I believe I read that. Who are they tied with? The Twins. Man, that is a dang good question. I got, I, I got, like it's the I got it pulled up here. No, the uh, the White Sox, yeah, the White Sox, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers have hit fifty nine home runs. So if you think the Los Angeles Dodgers are winning the World Series uh, or are not winning the World Series, just give me your money right now, and I will put, I'll use it to put on the Dodgers. They're not, bro. Okay, all right, cool. Um, the they are tied with the Padres, yes. And also, by the way, the top three teams, the Dodgers with 59 home runs, the White Sox with 55, and the Padres with 55, the next closest team is the New York Yankees with 45 home runs. That's crazy. The St. Louis Cardinals have only hit 16 home runs, but they've only played 17 games. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pr- that's a pretty decent number. Yeah. Yeah. The, so... Uh, the Cubs are getting Jose Quintana back finally, so that's exciting. Our, pitch, yeah, that our pitching staff has been the highlight of the season so far, which is not something I thought I would be saying this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, that's that's good. And then, the, so we talked about the AL Player of the Week. The NL Player of the Week was Manny Machado. Over the last week, he's hitting three ninety three with three home runs and nine RBIs. What, what the sad thing about this stretch is, Jermaine, is that you and I, on August 15th, talked about Manny Machado. He was hitting... Uh, what was he hitting? Two, uh, two thirteen, two thirteen with like five home runs and seventeen RBIs, thirteen RBIs. This last week of hitting three ninety three, three home runs and nine RBIs has brought Manny Machado's season average up to two fifty seven. Wow, that's a big jump. It's Forty percentage points. I know, but I'm still saying this, this, this dude almost hit 400 for a week and he only got up to the 250 mark. <laughs> this is why we buried him. This is why he watches Mookie Betts round bases. <laughs> yeah. The Mookie Betts, Jesus Christ. I, I mean, if right there's now, a, though, right? Yeah. If there's a front runner for, M- for MVP right now, it's going to be Mike Trout. <laughs> See what I did there? 
<laughs> the, you you started with the second best player in baseball, then yeah, finished with the first best. I see, I, yeah. I see. But work, but, work, but Mookie, work. Mookie Mookie Betts hitting three hundred right now, eleven home runs, twenty four RBIs. He is injured right now, but I mean, I, I assume that you know, wish him luck, wish him, wish him the best. Uh, Mike Trout, by the way, oh, Mike Trout is only hitting two seventy this year, two seventy, ten home runs, twenty five RBIs. Oh, poo. <laughs> he's he's probably super angry that like he has to be on the Angels and that like they're doing absolutely nothing to help him out in terms of winning baseball games. You saw that uh you saw that Alexander Ovechkin was named uh was named NHL 21 cover athlete. I have a trivia question for you, Jermaine. This is Alexander Ovechkin's second time on the cover. Who is the other player to be on to grace the NHL video game series cover twice? Is it a Red Wing? It is not a Red Wing. Gross. There has ne- never been a Red Wing game because I would buy all the copies and burn them. Why? They're one of the best franchises in league history. Uh, yeah, but in the last five years, they have been the stinkiest franchise to ever stink, a, stink up an ice rink. Throw more octopuses, you dead things. Uh, is it Sidney Crosby? It is not Sidney Crosby. And actually, this comes from this. If you're going to kick yourself when you don't get this. Jeremy Yager. Oh, God bless the mullet, but it's not him. Man. Who, By the oh. way, he's still he's like 55 and still playing in the in the Czech hockey league. You know this, right? Dusting up, young man. Just, just yeah. blowing past him, scoring wristers, bro. Yeah. Is it, is it Patrick Kane? It's not Patrick Kane, but you are getting warmer. Jonathan Taves? It is Jonathan Taves. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I was gonna be yep. mad if I didn't get this one. Yep. Jonathan Taves has graced the cover twice. Him and Alec him and uh Alex O were the uh two people to uh grace the cover. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yep. So the pretty second round, the second round uh has been set for maybe a few days now, right? I think it was set as of Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they've already played one first round. All, everyone has played a first round game. So yeah, it was, I think it was Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Yeah. I think it was set Thursday for sure. Yeah. So no, it was set Friday. Cause that's when the flyers and the Canucks closed out. So yeah. What are you, what are you thinking about these playoffs so far? It's pretty standard. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we got, we've gotten all the matchups that I, I mean, it, it's all going to be good matchups. I thought that I thought that, uh, Calgary was going to beat Dallas. Uh, I thought that I, I thought that St. Louis was going to beat Vancouver. Uh, I think the golden Knights are not going to have a problem with Vancouver. Have they already played a game? Am I golden Knights one five zero? Okay. So there you go. So golden Knights, I golden Knights will have no problem with Vancouver. The, the thing that, that, I'm nervous about in the Western Conference is the Avs because they're playing right now and they uh, lost the first game 5-3 against Dallas. I think that's going to be a good matchup. That one might go to seven. I had the Eastern Conference pick totally wrong. I I had Carolina beating Boston based on Boston's play in the uh, in the first couple of uh, the the first couple of rounds. I had the Capitals beating the Islanders because come on, they're the Islanders. I thought Columbus was going to run over an injured Tampa Bay team, and I thought Philadelphia was going to run over the Canucks. It turned out that pretty much the exact opposite of everything I just said happened. Yeah, Philly, but, Philly battled to get through. 
But yeah, six games. But the good thing that we see now is that's kind of, those are kind of all the matchups we wanted to see in the second round, right? We wanted to see Philly. How far can they go? Uh, you know, they play in the Islanders. We wanted to see, you know, Tampa Bay and Boston in the second round, and that's what we're getting. And I think it should be it should be great. I think I would not be surprised if the Islanders go to the conference finals based on how Philly played. They smacked Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, no, if, I, they 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 smacked Boston. But yeah, Philly 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 struggled with a with a not very good Montreal team, or what we didn't think was a very good Montreal team. And the Islanders came in, you know, beat beat Washington in five. And really beat up on them. No, but the Islanders beat Philly 4-0. Did you? I was watching that game. Did you not see that? Well, there we go. I, I have not seen any of these scores, so I guess my recaps are just my uh, my predictions are spot on already. Yeah, dude. So the Islanders today, right today, beat uh, beat them 4-0. Like it, I, was, I it mean, wasn't even a game. It was I. I might put a I might put a little uh, I might put a little chunk of change on the Islanders to go to the Stanley Cup. I I might put a little chunk of change on the Islanders to win the East because I I feel like this Tampa Bay Boston game is going to be you have a score for that game. I just I have not why am I not why have I not paid attention to that? Well, Boston and Tampa Bay played yesterday. What was Boston, the score? Boston finished with a victory of 3-2 in overtime. It was a good game. Uh no, it was just regular. Okay, I feel like that. The prediction that I was about to make is, I feel like that game's going that that series is going to seven, and they're going to be beating up on each other. Yeah, I I, I would not be surprised if if the Islanders uh, do a little jig and make it to the uh, make it to the Stanley Cup Finals or Conference Finals or Stanley Cup Finals. I think they're winning the East. You got them coming out of the East, okay? Yeah, I, th- I think they're winning the East based on. So right you've now. got you've got an Islanders Golden Knights final. I've got I, I've got Islanders Avs final, but the oh, Avs are Homer not. pick. Yeah, sorry, the Avs uh, the Avs did not impress me. So yeah, I mean we'll, we'll they they got dusted up. That was an ex- when I saw that score, I was just like, man. Yeah, it was, and it was it wasn't really. Stars. Yeah, it wasn't even really close. So. I mean, the, the stars pretty much do the, the Avs did what they needed to do against the Coyotes, and now I mean, they're they're dealing with a Dallas Stars team that uh, is pretty decent at hockey, and and a lot of people don't give them credit. I didn't even give them credit in the first round. Yeah, the Stars uh, they scored three in the first on you guys. I remember seeing that. And I was just thinking like three one. It's like that doesn't yeah. seem right. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the NHL playoff hockey has been. To me, it's been all over the place. It's like real up and down. A team shows up one day, and the next day they get smacked, and I'm like, what is going on? It's kind of like yeah. the NBA. It's just you're just seeing a lot of weird. I love it because it just it's there's just so much uncertainty in the air. It feels like anything can happen, really. Yeah. There's there's no props on five dimes right now for the Islanders uh reaching the conference final. So we'll let you guys know on the next podcast what I got, what I got the odds at. It's because they listen to this podcast and they know we're trying to bet and they're tired of losing That's, money to us. They're gonna knock it down. Yeah, uh yeah, okay. Let's <laughs> let's 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 go with that. So Bayern Munich uh got that dub, which we predicted a while ago, even though you were like tentative to say it was gonna happen, and now you want to act all chachi chacherson about it. I don't think that's it. I mean, I'm just saying like I mean, it's it's the six it's the six champions, uh, the Champions League. We now have one more than Ronaldo, so suck it, Ronaldo. 
Um, <laughs> Dude has five. <laughs> Dude has five. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, I, I saw a lot of, I was telling you pre-show, I, I saw a lot of, of pundits coming out and saying, you know, ar- with articles titled how Byron, uh, how Byron dominated and took the air out of PSG's attack. And I don't think those people watched the game at all, because if not for Manuel Neuer, that game is a 5-1 PSG victory. Yeah, I don't, I've watched the same game and, and really both sides looked stiff and tense the whole time. Like they were unfamiliar with that biggest stage and it felt like everyone was playing as to not make a mistake. Yeah, that that's how I felt watching it. Except for Coman, who was oh, I, I mean the best player on the pitch that game. You gotta you gotta love stories, right? And when it, when it comes to any sort of a championship game, Kingsley Coman literally trained by the PSG Youth Academy, signed a contract with PSG, didn't end up playing. I don't remember where Byron got him from, but uh, didn't and end up playing like four senior games for PSG was shipped out somewhere else I, I don't I'll, I can probably look it up but I'm not going to shipped out somewhere else Byron brought him in on loan then finalized the loan and then he scores absolutely I mean the entire night absolutely dusting up the right back for PSG and yeah he owned that side of the pitch it was embarrassing had a penalty in the first half that wasn't called I was more irate about it during the game but after seeing the penalty that uh Byron committed in the box in the second half I was more like okay well if he's not gonna call any penalties then then that's how it's gonna be good for uh, us yeah good for us um yeah but just the story of him trained at PSG Youth Academy and then coming back to score the goal against PSG in the Champions League to be you know, to be the one goal to win it. It's it's a great story. And a guy that doesn't head the ball a lot either. No. It doesn't doesn't score headed goals. The best part is it was PSG's first UCL appearance. You know what I mean? Like first final in the Champions League. And it's their own kid who got him. And then Marseille, right? The only French team to win a Champions League final has a player, Payette, troll PSG. He has a, he has a PSG shirt over his Marseille shirt, and the logos are lined up perfectly, so the star appears above the PSG logo, and he's like shaking the shirt. And then he's just like, "No, no, no!" Matumbo finger wag and pulls the shirt away to reveal the Marseille logo. Oh man, that's good. Disrespectful. I love stories. I mean, that's why I picked Clippers Raptors in the finals. I just want to see that story. You know what I mean? Like that. The NBA would have a field day riding that drama. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just another instance how Hans how Hans Flick has really like like I I would have not I told you at the beginning of this Champions League when this started back up, Alfonso Davies is not the guy to be starting right now. He's you know twenty years old. He's he's only played in four. You know what was it? He'd only played in in five Champions League appearances before then. And then I told you before the final, King, why is Kingsley Coman on? I mean, per- Perisic has started every everything else for that, and it turns out I was wrong on both. So, uh, yeah. Alfonso, yeah. Alfonso Davies is... is Alfonso Davies, the first Canadian man to ever appear in a Champions League final, now the first Canadian uh, to win the Champions League final ever. 
him and his girlfriend, who plays for PSG, her name escapes me right now, uh, both won the Champions League this year. Is there a women's Champions League? Yeah. Oh, how did the Byron le- women the, do? The, the lesser known. I, I don't know. I know the winner. <laughs> Give me credit for that, bro. How has that ever it's happened? That's, 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 that's what we need to look up. Has it ever happened in history that the winner of the women's champion league and the winner of the men's champions league have been the same. That's an interesting question. Same team. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll have to look that up for a future reference. I don't know yeah. off the top of my head, no. uh, but yeah, the women's champions league isn't televised. So I don't, I have no clue. Yeah. Where did you see that? You just heard about it on Instagram. Yeah. One of the pages I followed because everyone's like lo- in love with Alfonso Davies right now. There's like stories being written on him. Drake called him. He there's like a video of him talking to Drake, and Drake follows him on Instagram. He's like losing his mind and all this stuff. And I'm just like, he's 19, bro. <laughs> Drake. This is this. Is, I had a question. I thought about this question that I and, and I would like to ask you. Do you think it's? Do you think it's so? I, the 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 question formulated after we saw Neymar sobbing on the bench. Right, Neymar. Obviously, I think he's twenty-eight. Right, he's the same. He's the same age as me. I think. I believe you're right. Let me look that up. I think he's twenty-eight. But the reaction of Neymar sobbing on the bench has to be consoled by multiple coaches and players. And then Kylian Mbappe and his reaction: no tears, no head and hands. He just kind of gave like a, huh? Well, that stinks. Like no, he, do you, he won a World Cup, dude. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, I, you know I like. I mean? so he's been there. He's like, all right, we lost. Time to bounce back. He also lost the Euro final, so he's used to losing big games like this. So I, I, I don't really know what question I'm trying to ask you, but do you think it hurts more for Neymar than it does for like? D- does it hurt more, and does it lose any significance winning the champ? So like Manuel Nora and Thomas Muller. Do you think they they won the Champions League back in 2013? Do you think this means the same to them as it does to Alfonso Davies? Or do you no. think Davies do you think Davies doesn't know better because he's 19 years old? No. He I, just expects this. I, I think it I don't think I think it means more to Davies. I feel I like think so. Because you work, you work, you work, you work. And then when you hit the first one. It's like a big relief, like everything you've ever worked for is accomplished, right? Also, Javi Martinez, I forgot to leave him out. He was also in 2013. To come back back and win it a second time means that you've understood the pinnacle, you understood how to achieve it, and you were able to maintain that excellence again for a second run. So you're saying there's more experience in winning it a second time that you can put to use? Exactly. So once you've won it, when you're coming back for the second time, it's more. I've already been there, done that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like rebeating a video game. You you already I know a lot of the, lot of the tricks of the trade. Yeah, you yeah. know the jump scares, and you know the moments, and you know how hyped the game is going to be. I I could see that. Where else? Where like guys like Mbappe in the World Cup and guys like Davies in the final really don't know those big moments because they're still their brains haven't developed yet. Let's right. let's be honest. Right. So and and like. Once you've already been there and you've been through the ups and downs that it takes to get to the championship, 
you become level headed headed when those things are happening, right? So that's why the people who've already been there, they're so much more steady in those instances. They've already been there. Yeah. Whereas Alfonso Davies was experiencing those up and downs for the first time, right? And if, I haven't read his story. I, I've heard the ESPN article is pretty fantastic that that like uh, you know memorializes his story or whatever. But he's had some hellacious ups and downs apparently. And so for him to, to go through that and maintain and persevere, you know, adapt, improvise, overcome, and then achieve, you know, so I think that's why it means so much more. And it's so much more heartbreaking. Like when you, when you don't, when you don't cash in, right. Cause you were, you're like, I was right there and you don't know if you'll ever be back. Second question. Does Neymar ever win a champions league? Did he not win a Champions League? Zero. Really? So when he was with Barcelona, they didn't win, huh? I don't believe so. I don't. I don't believe that. I'm gonna look that up. But go ahead and um, move on. So we have a. We have a. Uh, it seems that all over the sports world recently, we have had listeners of the podcast that uh, refuse to like, comment, subscribe, uh, and personally text one of us to let us know how we're doing. The latest in the line of of ghost followers that we know are following. We know you're listening to the program. So might as well like hit us up on our personal cell phones at least and say, hey man, like the episode about you talking trash about Oscar De La Hoya and his cocaine habit. And I believe, Jermaine, you said verbatim, cocaine is expensive. <laughs> Dude, and we then, talked about this specifically. Mr. Dana White gets on gets on a UFC press conference and is asked by a reporter about his friend, obviously, uh his friend, not friend, his frenemy, uh Oscar De La Hoya coming back to boxing. And he literally said cocaine is an expensive habit. So Dana, I know you listen. That's why all our UFC bets have not been hitting because you have instructed your fighters not to let us win any money. I don't appreciate that. And I don't appreciate you not hitting one of us up and telling us how we're doing. And that's stop stop fixing matches, Dana. (laughs) Stop fixing matches, Dana. That's exactly. Yo, so Neymar won in 2015, my man. Oh, that's lame. Then grow, grow the fuck up, Neymar. Stop crying like a little bitch. I thought I felt bad for him because I thought he had never win won a Champions League. Quit crying like that. Well, all you Messi, did was Messi all you did was that team won it, not him. That team all you did back. was flop around on the field for ninety minutes. Grow up! You're a twenty eight year old man. No, you're just a hater, bro. Also, your no. team is dirty, bro. Who team is dirty? Your who team is dirty? Who team is dirty? <laughs> oh, we're gonna. Oh, oh, we're gonna start talking about English on this podcast. Yes. Okay, Roger. I'll start an English counter for as many times as you say "Whose man's is this?" Because that's a perfect English statement. Yeah, that's intentional. Yours was not. Mine was intentional, Jermaine. No, no, it was not. Okay. All right. And now we're just subjective. <laughs> yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. That was all, Nick. I refuse to get into childish games like that. I know that. That's why I did your voice. Yeah, they were. Keep going. There's a long. What are you looking up now? 
I'm not looking up anything. I'm just letting you carry on with what you were doing. It's like I'm done. It's like Burn and Ernie just kicking it over there with you. I'm done. Back to professional podcasting. <laughs> All right. So NCAA confirmed fall eligibility extension. I mean, we've covered that. I just wanted to make sure that we, that we actually followed through with what was going on with that. Let's move on. Jan, pay a Mark Emirate. <laughs> make a decision, Mark. Mark. <laughs> Yeah, we're on first name basis with the NCAA president. And we know he listens. So <laughs> we do. You know who doesn't listen? The Big Ten commissioner. No, he needs he he has much bigger worries on his plate. Like his like his biggest uh his biggest icon in Justin Fields just leaving. Oh man. I think this is gonna lead to some major conference realignment. There these big schools are about to to start BDEing everybody, bro. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Ohio State's looking at him like, whose man's is this? <laughs> All right, so main topic of today's pod, right? So in honor of it being 824, a.k.a. Mamba Day, we're going to talk about the legacy of Kobe Bryant. The late, great Kobe Bryant, who passed in an unfortunate accident this year. That shocked the sports world and flipped it outside its head and actually sent 2020 into a cacophony of chaos. So, and uh, so Lakers are actually playing today in the Mamba, you know, the Mamba jersey, right? So it has a little heart with the two in it for Gigi, has eight on the front, and it has 24 on the back. That's the limited edition Kobe, Kobe jersey that was uh, sent out. Uh, that was sold out in a matter of like 10 seconds, bro. Like the internet, like fans on the internet were upset that Nike didn't make any more jerseys. Now they're selling on the secondary market for something like $800. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. That's why you buy the fast internet connections, I guess. That's wild. So I actually tried buying the big stage parade kicks on Sunday, right? There are these black and white and gold kicks and they have like writing inscribed on the side and it's got half and half, half white. And then the other side has got black writing all over on the side. They're really sweet. And they were $180. And I was in line. I queued up right at 11 Apple pay purchase. It's like, you're in line. We'll send you a notification. If you get the item, I didn't get the item. Right. So I got, did, I got did, to did it say what number you were? Like, in no, it, it didn't say anything like that. Just you were in the line. So I didn't get it. And, then you go look on the secondary market and those $180 shoes are now being sold for like $660 by people who have no intention of wearing them or using them. Do they, uh, do, do they put uh, like cart size limits on those people? Yeah, I think you can only buy a certain, certain amount of pairs. I think it, I, I don't know the amount cause I don't ever try to buy more, but you know, I only try to buy one. I couldn't even get that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Lakers are blowing Portland out right now. There's no way they're losing on Mamba Day. Uh, our under is not hitting because it's 112.85 at the end of the third right now. But at one no. point in the first quarter at the 430 mark, it was 24 to 8, the actual score. So the Lakers were blowing out the Trailblazers from the jump. They opened up with a 10 0 run, and uh, then they went up 24 to 8 at one point. So I thought that's pretty poetic. Just like today's episode is 24, it's the August. You know, all this seems to keep lining up. That numerology strikes again. Yeah, 
That's right. So what? Uh, so you, you're kind of going to drive this discussion, right? As the as the uh, basketball man of the podcast, but kind of take me through just your initial surface favorite Kobe moments. Man, favorite Kobe moments. A lot of it has then- to, a lot of it has to do with trash talking, especially like his own teammates and stuff. But like on, on the court. Okay, give me, give me. In, speaking of trash talk, give me your favorite Kobe quote. Oh, favorite Kobe quote or favorite trash talk? Both. Give me both. All right. So I mean, it. I still use it to today. It's calling his teammates soft like Charmin, right? That's, he, that's a good one. He buries his teammates, and then there was like, uh, there was a player called Smush Parker used to play back in the day. I don't know if you ever remembered him, but Kobe Bryant absolutely buried this kid he was just like he shouldn't be in the nba <laughs> that's how not good his teammate was Damn. He buried him by saying he shouldn't be in the nba which was really funny because there's been there was a few games i remember where smush parker dropped like 20 something points in the game <laughs> not good enough for not good enough for kobe i guess kobe was like we we're just too cheap to spend money on a good point guard <laughs> oh my god all right so give me your best kobe quote then all right, so there's a few, obviously, because Kobe Bryant is rather iconic. But mm-hmm. so, you know, one of them is everything negative, pressure, challenges is all an opportunity for me to rise. I just remember hearing that. And I was just like, man, this dude, it's, that, that was one thing that, you know, you can't really express enough is that Kobe Bryant's mindset is just truly unique. In an age where mindset is pursued so vehemently to foster, you know, wealth or happiness or mentality or spirituality, Kobe Bryant was able to to teach himself all that through, you know, his mentors and just his own drive. So I thought it was I thought it was pretty amazing to see all that, but yeah, the, the the one that I really like a lot is the if he's like if you're afraid to fail, then you're probably going to fail. That's a good one. My favorite one takes a more silly approach to the Kobe question. Somebody asked, somebody once informed Mr. Kobe Bryant that there was no I in team, and he said, "Yes, but there is an me." And do you know where there's also an me? An me and motherfucker, and I'm that motherfucker. So that was that's my favorite Kobe quote. I think Kobe's favorite curse word is motherfucker, dude. I think so. Yeah, I think he just uses it. He uses it like a fine, like a fine wine. Yeah. He just he applies it uh, uh, very nice. So let's take a look. So I know I know you had a couple of stats pulled up for the two versions of Kobe that we were given. We were given the number eight Kobe. I like to refer to him as uh, Afro Kobe. Uh, and then we were given uh, number 24, or as I like to call him, Chrome Dome Kobe. Uh, Chrome Dome. Chrome Dome Kobe. The bald mamba. The bald mamba, that's right. So take us through it. I, I saw some Bleacher Report article uh, that compared the two, and the stats were eerily similar. Yeah, so the, the stats are... Very, very wild. So I don't want to 
go through all of them because it's going to be me reading a bunch of numbers, but we'll just, we'll touch on some of the major ones. Like, so for, for games played, it was 707 for the eight, the Jersey number eight at 639 for the Jersey number 24. And then you get down to points, right? It's 16,866 for Jersey number eight and 16,777 for the Jersey number 24. And then rebounds for both, it's oh, it's about 3,500. 3, um, assists for both, it's about 3,100. There's actually only 10 assists difference uh, between the two jersey numbers. That's how little he passed. Uh, <laughs> steals are both about a 1,000. So younger Kobe, or a.k.a. number eight, had way more blocks than 24 Kobe. Field goal percentage was 45. More, 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 uh, more youthful exuberism, I guess. Exactly. He said, I'm going to stop jumping. So his field goal percentage was 45 and 44. Three point was 33.6 and 33. And his free throw percentage was 83 and 84. And then his winning percentage actually dipped when he went into the 24 range. But that's to be expected because he had – he had those very his last like four years. He played on some awful teams. I like one of his quotes about Chris Mim and Kwame Brown. He's like, I was shooting like 40 times, 42 times a night. What was I supposed to do? Pass it in to Chris Mim or Kwame Brown. <laughs> and also he had also when he was wearing eight, he had Shaquille O'Neal. And that's 100%. that's a pretty, that's a pretty big, no pun intended asset to have. Right. And so it was 656 under 8 and 582 under 24. So essentially all those stats that you're reading off to me shows me that whether he wore 8 or whether he wore 24, he was pretty much dominant in whatever whatever number he decided to put on. He could have put on 99 and he probably would have uh, been as dominant. 8, 28, 64, give me more. That's what he said. <laughs> okay, we win in the finals. We so Kobe in 4. So uh, you, we kind of we, we like to think of I, I know we talked about in the last dance episodes that Michael Jordan was uh, really the first worldwide superstar, right? Exactly, and and we know and we discussed kind of in those last dance episodes what his impact on culture was, his impact on the NBA, and his impact on on franchises in general. Right, which franchises we even had a whole spiel about who would have won a title if Jordan weren't wasn't there, yeah, or if Jordan decided to play baseball. We see, you know, we grew up with Kobe, right? What do you think his impact on the same things Jordan impacted? The culture, style, like culture, style, NBA, music, and just like in terms of other franchises and other greats' legacies. Oh man, so Kobe was man, Kobe was just a warrior. I just he would not let anyone get and if you and if you happen to get that one thing on him, he was gonna take it back, no matter what. Always. And that's one thing that I always I always admired slash hated because he wasn't on my team. So I was not a Kobe Bryant. I was like a Kobe Bryant like uh, detractor but secret admirer at the same time I was like dude that boy hoops but also Kobe sucks <laughs> just gotta let you know uh, but I don't know so his one thing that's super crazy too is like he was with Adidas with number 8 
and then swapped over to Nike, right? With uh, it's still while wearing number eight. And then when he switched to 24, Kobe Bryant actually helped transition the new low top shoe into the NBA. Why right? did he switch, by the way? Numbers? Yeah. Uh, I think I think he just wanted to change because of the whole, uh, you know, how he was accused of rape and then acquitted because of that, that whole trial. Shout out Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Um, so he, I think he just wanted a whole, a whole fresh start. He, he kind of got stale. And also, I wouldn't put it past him to have like the kind of foresight to have this. He's like two, like he split his careers into two. So he's, he actually played 10 years with both numbers. Right. So I kind of think he might've been like, yo, I played 10 years with eight and eight was, so he actually wore number eight because when he was at the Adidas, uh, I feel like high school prospect camps, the number they gave him was one forty three. Right. So there was 142 oh. players better than him. So he added one, four and three together and he chose eight to be his number. Right. And so when he switched, when he switched back to when he switched to 24, he actually went to the number that he wore at lower Marion high school, his freshman, his freshman year. So he switched to 24. So I think he just kind of wanted to get away from that. And I think because, I think that's a lot of where Kobe's mindset really, really started to pivot and change, right? It's like those quotes that you see now, like this super inspirational dude, this super mindset-driven dude, this super self-focused, self-determined, self-actualizing self, uh, individual. I think that's when the, the transition started. The, 20, because, the 24 Kobe. Yeah, the 24 Kobe. And that's because he had a falling out with the love of his, love of his life, right? He lost a lot of his money. His daughters were separated from him for a while, right? While he was going through that ugly divorce. And then they eventually got back together. Um, and that's kind of where his mindset kind of started changing. He, and it was more like, yo, I'm not, I'm a man now. I got to start being one. And that's where Kobe Bryant started transitioning. And that's where I feel like Kobe Bryant that everyone admires and loves today kind of opened up. So Jordan, uh, had that Jordan, same- Jordan Jordan was all I feel like Jordan was always that steal your lunch money type of guy. Yeah, and so Jordan had the same moment and didn't respond the same way as Kobe. Kobe externalized and Jordan internalized, right? So when his father passed, Jordan internalized and he retreated. He retreated from the game of basketball that he loved to baseball, right? He he retreated from the spotlight to baseball. I mean, as much as he could. Right. And so they responded to those moments differently. Whereas Kobe was just like, look, I got to start blessing other people in this world because I've been more fortunate. Jordan, Jordan took the loss much harder where uh, separation is not death, but it can be a tangible quality, especially with how it affects your heart. Right. But that's so those two men had the first initial chapters or first initial books of their trilogies closed. written the same way. And they were closed with these alt- life altering moments. And both men flourished into their next chapter, you know, very differently. And that, that's how you ended up getting this Kobe who's like Zach Levine for the Bulls, wears number eight for Kobe, right? Devin Booker credits everything to Kobe, right? Jason Tatum, 
I believe Jason Tatum's number is eight also. Jason, Ta- Jason Tatum is a huge Kobe Bryant, uh, you know, stan. So, and, and so that's why oh, his number is zero. But, and that, that's where that kind of, kind of transition, that's where Kobe started. And so Kobe took – Jordan mentored Kobe because Kobe sought him out and, Co- and Jordan saw in Kobe – what he what jordan himself had right that that absolute will to win the refusal to give up the refusal to quit and that's what separates jordan from so so many it's it's the fact that at all costs it's winning at all costs whether it's my body whether it's my soul whether it's my friends whether it's my money it's winning at all costs that's why he gambled so much Right. And, and Kobe did the same thing. And he took that mentorship and that leadership that Jordan gave him, that Jordan molded him and he taught him and he helped and schooled him. And then, and Kobe took that and he went and gave it to everyone. Instead of just picking one person, Kobe was just like, look, look, come here, young man. Look, come here, young man. Look, come here, young man. And that's, that's kind of how those, those two individuals, they, and, and it's, it's pretty poetic because in life, there's, duality and naturally right good and evil light light and dark sun and moon night and day right and the ebbs and flows of the ocean right man and woman there's this constant art of duality and i feel like kobe bryant and michael jordan are the yin and yang of each other right and it's kind of like what happens when tragedy strikes right so if you know, for lack of a better analogy, are you going to become Batman and work for good, or are you going to become Joker and become s- selfish, right? And and that's where those two split. And I and I love seeing the the tangential nature of their lives. I feel like I just kind of rambled on on that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I have to add is I still sh- I still yell. I our generation still yells Kobe when we shoot anything at anything. So. That's yeah. my that's my main impact that he's had on culture is that you don't shoot a paper ball at a trash can or anything without shouting Kobe. So yeah, so so Kobe actually retired and still had the best selling shoes of all the active players, right? So that's another thing that he had on culture. Kobe had Sprite. Kobe had uh, Kobe started his own like body scent, and he started a venture capitalist organization. He won an Oscar. Right, he dropped a terrible rap album. Terrible. It's just that's, stand, that's standard NBA player though. Not Dame Dollar, bro. Dame Dollar's got bars, but you know, it's like Kobe's impact. So here's the thing: like since Kobe's passing, thirty countries around the world have put up murals to to represent Kobe. I think there's something like 198 murals have popped up of Kobe Bryant. Right, like that's tangible impact, right? Kobe. So Jordan took the game global and passed the torch, and Kobe ran with it and made sure that it's global. He developed, he developed China into the powerhouse that it, that it is. He started helping with India, which KD and Steph Curry started taking over with India. You know, he Kobe started doing Philippines. Basketball's king in Philippine in the Philippines, right? Kobe Kobe started doing all that. Like that's that's the impact that Kobe has, and and that he will have from here on out. Uh, dude, the other thing is yeah. is women's sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
I, I will tell you this. I didn't, I didn't, I don't own a pair of, I own, I own one pair of basketball shoes and they're Kobe's. So, <laughs> so if that, if that means anything, that's true. Like, that's the other thing. Like he was such a champion for women's sports because he had three daughters. Right. So not only did he mentor the generation we're seeing ball out right now, right. You know, whether directly or indirectly, he did the same thing for the WNBA, right? And he started the Mamba Citas Academy. He started the Mamba Training Academy. He started. He, I mean, it's it goes without saying what this what this man was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. I think like Kobe Bryant would be forty two today, right? If he was still here. Yeah. So that's so. that's kind of my next question. What if what if he survives? Do we see him move into more of the of the Jordan role. Cause I feel like he was already, he was moving into stuff that was where, whereas Jordan is basketball through and through. He didn't want to be known really as anything other than a basketball player. Didn't want to be known as a shoe salesman. Didn't want to be known as a political advocate. Just wanted to be known as a basketball player. Then afterwards he golfs and he gambles and he owns the Charlotte Hornets, which we've discussed ad nauseum as he does. <laughs> ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. I feel like Kobe was kind of the pre-LeBron in that he, like you already said, he won an Oscar. He was a venture capitalist. He was looking to not only be a ambassador for the game of basketball, but that almost seemed like that was closing on the third chapter. That that was that closed the second chapter of Kobe's life with the first chapter being obviously high school to the pros and making the jump and number eight, and I'm going to steal your lunch money and all that stuff. Then like you talked about number 24 kind of closed the second chapter and his retirement and his final game closes that chapter. And I think chapter three, Kobe doesn't want to, Kobe didn't want to be known as like a, he just, he didn't want to be known as just a basketball player. He wanted to be everything a writer, a director, a producer, uh, a, a businessman, a not just an embat. He, he wanted to have just – that's Kobe Bryant. He just – he has his hands in so many things. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what he wanted to know. I, I know that he would have pursued and accomplished several other, like, things. I think a lot of what Kobe Bryant – what I could have seen Kobe Bryant do is – because he's so – he's multilingual. Right. So he was, he was so multilingual. I could see Kobe Bryant, like, you know, venture into taking the NBA into a global brand where they kind of have, you know, maybe they have hubs in Mexico and China, like, as I was talking about earlier. Right. I mean, I believe he wrote something like 10 books already, if I wasn't mistaken. Jeez. Yeah. And so the man just never stopped. And uh, I, I honestly do think that Kobe Bryant did want to own an uh, NBA franchise, but I know that he wanted to step away. He wanted to distance himself from the game for a little bit, which he did. He stayed away for a little bit, and he, he started gradually coming back to it because, of course, he is, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, because he spent so much time in it. But I think he wanted to go the same route as, as Jordan, right? Because, like, it's like – well, that's that's the man that he's based his life on. So why, I mean, why wouldn't he impersonate Jordan? Right, and he and with his venture capitalist firm, he understands the value of owning, right, and the impact that he can have by owning, 
right? So, uh, yeah, so it's at least six books. I thought it, I thought it was ten for some reason, but you know, six is still pretty impressive. <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, he's only written six books. What a bum! Get off your ass! I thought you. I thought you'd bring the same enthusiasm that you brought to basketball. Oh, just I one mean, more I, than championships, huh? Yeah, Jesus. So I mean, yeah, I, I really think that that he would have he would have used that spirit to to kind of just go whatever he did, he was going to do great. I mean, that's just that's just who Kobe was. But I mean, like, I still think that you're, you know, every year he's still he's still driving. Like you said, he has the academies, he has the you know the men's and the women's academies. He has there's so many things that he's that he slapped his name to, whether we understand it or not. Uh, or whether whether he did it as a like lead or he did it in the background of supporting this stuff that I think his his legacy lives on right that we we can we can say that yeah one thousand percent that's the so, thing is his do you, do you have any you like, have any final thoughts on the uh, the Kobe the Kobe Mamba Day oh I love it. I can't wait to see it happen next year and the year after and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, I would, I I would love to, I would love to see next year when they, when they can actually have people there and they can have fans there and everyone can, you know, actually interact with each other. What, what this, what this day can become. Yeah, I think that would be really, really great. So, oh man, I don't know how they can do it, but I think the NBA should make kind of a big thing about it. Maybe they can do like the summer league this they, they could do the summer league ending on 824 or something like that i don't really know how they could do it but it'd be really great to see them make it kind of like a festival like a big event that they could have you know a bunch of people attend and stuff because uh instead of mourning we should celebrate right because everyone passes right so instead of saying what if we can just celebrate what they did do so, what was your uh, favorite Kobe game moment on the court? Favorite Kobe game. I mean, you got to say the eighty-one point game. I feel like that's that's for me. That's just. I mean, it's not, it's, it's it's an iconic game. That's an absurd amount of points. Yeah, we're, like we're over here talking about Dame dropping sixty. And he tried so hard to drop that 60, right? Donovan Mitchell dropped 57. Then he dropped 51. Jamal Murray dropped 50. You had TJ Warren drop 50-something, right? Which is, which is no, which is no easy task. Let's, it, let's make that, let's make that well it's known. Not, it's not. But, like, some of the best players in the game average, like, 20 points a game. And Here's Kobe the thing. Bryant if you have a- average more in this one game. If you have a 50-point night, congratulations. You're still another really good night away from 81 <laughs> points. That's so outrageous. And then, like, to think, like, 100 points was scored in a game before. It's just like, no way is anyone touching that. Yeah, but Until he was playing a bunch. Of, he was, he was like... He was like 7-4 playing a, against a bunch of 5'11 white guys, so... That was it's. That's not really that fair. He was getting guarded by a six eleven dude in that game. I know, dude. I'm just, I'm just being a, being an a hole. What was your, what was your favorite Kobe, Kobe game? 
Oh, man. Game seven when he absolutely iced the Boston Celtics, bro. To win his fifth championship, he just – I think they blew them out by like 38 points in that game. Kobe Bryant was just like, nah, not today, fam. I'm not losing to the Celtics in the finals again. You know what I mean? He's just like, nah, I've done that once. Yeah, I'm, that's not going to happen. I'm not experiencing that twice. And he bounced him, dog, in disrespectful fashion. <laughs> He's just like, Paul Pierce, go home. Kevin Garnett, go home. Ray Allen, go home. Y'all just got bodied. Hey, don't forget about Rondo. Rondo, go home. Yeah, well, Rondo's a Laker right now. You can't really bad mouth him. Well, that's, I, guess, <laughs> I guess that's how it works. I forgot about Rondo, dog. Hey, so so moving on from from obviously a legacy and and greatness in Kobe to a segment that we love here on the program, the Feynman Cutem, Jermaine. Do you have do you have any uh, any entries for the Feynman Cutem this week? Yeah, I have I have a few, and it's all NFL related because NFL news has just been hot off the presses for dumb. <laughs> I think you. I think I think you and I are, are sharing share our uh, our ones, but I'll, I'll you say one, I'll say the other. Roger Goodell. Oh, Jesus. Roger I mean, Goodell. like, 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 how, Roger Goodell. If not for Rob Manfred, you, you, what, you, you have the like the belt. You have the the intercontinental belt for worst commissioner. You're in the Hall of Fame as worst commissioner. Yeah, Manfred has is the heavyweight champ. Right, he's the world. You're, you're Muhammad Ali, champion. and he is, and he is the intercontinental champion. Like it's embarrassing that this dude still says stuff out loud. Like s- somebody come get your man. <laughs> Stop letting him interview. It's embarrassing. They need, they need a. Have you you've seen the Key and Peel anger translator? Right. They need a. Uh, the, look it up. It's a funny. It's a funny skit for the Key and Peel show, but. They need a man who stands in front of Roger Goodell, and whenever he is tweeting or answering a microphone, they just smack it out of his hand or smack the microphone out of his face and go, do you understand what you're about to say? Do you understand what the question was asked? Do you understand? Okay, talk, tell me. What were you going to say? No, don't say that. That's stupid. And You're going to look like an ass. Yeah, that's exactly what he needs. He came out and said that, yeah, in hindsight, maybe the league should have sat oh, down with Colin Kaepernick when he was kneeling. And then, and then, I don't know if this was the same interview or not. Probably. Maybe, maybe it was a later interview, but then he comes out and says, the league will support kneeling. Like, no I mean, you, you, you got to. You gotta love his commitment on just doubling down and act and acting like this is like this will do good. This, you know what? We're going to support kneeling this year. Oh yeah, Roger, because I don't think you had a choice. Yeah, I don't, like if there was no option, dog. There was no, no yeah. And oh, then we boy. should have had a conversation with Kaepernick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you think. Yeah. Yeah, you. Oh my God! It's almost like in this country, some of the problems that we're facing right now would go away if we just talk to each other, and we just had a little bit of civil discourse and debate that didn't end in anger and and slurs and and violence. If we just talked to each other and we both had an open mind and and uh, accepted perspectives, maybe Colin Kaepernick would still be a professional quarterback. 
Yeah, dude. You sure exactly. you sh- you sure as hell didn't have a problem letting Eric Reed back into the game. Yeah, dude, they blackballed him and kicked him out, and then they settled uh they settled the case with him. And they never even talked about him. They just kicked him out of the league. Like it's unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I Roger, Roger, old buddy, old pal, ya bum. Welcome to Find and Cut. I think he's already been in there. Just I come, come claim your seat again. I mean, we just need to bring him out from the back. We got to create a Hall of Fame Find and Cut. Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred there for repeat, repeat, <laughs> repeat offender stock and NFL running backs. Those are our Hall of Fames right now. Oh, NFL running backs for sure. However. For sure. However, there was another NFL position. Well, not a position in general. There was a man who played another NFL position who was wiling, wiling out, as Nick Cannon would say, uh, in 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 this this week. Sorry, not in this week. This week, and it ended up in him actually getting cut from his organization. I love it when life imitates art. Yeah. Earl Thomas was wild in this week. This man, Earl Thomas, safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so he was dismissed from practice late last week. And then he posted uh, an Instagram post that basically explained uh, he was doing everything right and being a nice Christian boy. And there was no reason for him to be. And this was all ah, blown out of proportion. And I'm a nice, I'm a nice, good man. And I did nothing wrong. And it's just everybody, uh, everybody's blowing this up. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens doubled down and said, no, here is the footage from our practice cams. Uh, and here is uh, basically people within the organization. They leaked a bunch of reports saying he missed, uh, he missed, repeatedly yeah. missed meetings, showed up late, uh, missed assignments constantly. But the video, so Earl Thomas made this Instagram post that basically said he's a good Christian boy. He did nothing wrong. It was just, uh, it was just a misunderstanding. Uh, he doesn't know why everybody's freaking out. And it turned out in the video that he blew an assignment that he should have had uh, for sure. I think it was, I think it was like a cover one and he should have covered the uh, Ravens wide receiver that was wide open in the end zone in a different area code. Uh, Earl Thomas then responds by taking his helmet off and throwing it at the cornerback who apparently blew, uh, who caused uh, what Earl thought was a discretion. Uh, and then you see a bit of a scuffle and the you know the cameras shut off. But uh yeah, so he wasn't being a very good Christian boy or not fighting or not instigating anything. So uh I wonder if Earl Thomas beat that ass afterwards and they had to like pull him off because they said the altercation lasted pretty long. Yeah, I didn't they they raved the Ravens for some reason didn't release that. So maybe maybe it was just Earl Thomas t- chucking Dukes against the whole defense. What if what if Earl Thomas beat up the whole Ravens defense and they were like, you got to get out of here. And like a couple of coaches, too. And they were like, all right, that's it, Earl. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Including six foot, six foot eight Calais Campbell. He just yeah. bopped him in the face, dog. Uh, but I'm not even saying like I'm I, I imagine that he's just open hand smacking people out of the way. He's just yelling bonk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bonk. But I mean. I takes his helmet off, throws it, and then just de- defends his belt against all comers. So Earl, so, Earl, 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 
We know hook you listen. Em, hook them, but still, yeah. baby. Hook them, but but don't blow coverage. Welcome to find them and cut them. Yeah, find them and cut them. And in his case, actually cut. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> in his case, find a job. All right, so today's trivia question is, what is Kobe Bryant's playoff career high? Bonus, what year was it and against which opponent? Nick said, 2005, 55 points, Dallas Mavericks. He was one year off. It was actually in 2006. Oh. He, he did not get the team. It was the Phoenix Suns. Oh, the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire Phoenix Suns? Yes. But he dropped 50 against them. No. Oh. In a loss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that seems to be happening a lot lately. Big, big time points put up in losses. Yeah. Just yeah. Speaking of that, like Jamal Murray dropped 50. Donovan Mitchell dropped 51. And Jamal Murray lost. So Jamal Murray is the first player to score 50 points in the playoff game and lose. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's not true. Donovan Mitchell did that. What did I, oh, no. No, they were the first. Didn't you just say uh, Kobe did that? No, no. Yeah, Kobe did that. But no, Donovan Mitchell just did that like three games prior as well. Uh, uh, no, what I was trying to say is they're the first two to ever drop 50 in the same playoff game. Had my stats wrong. So that wraps up the pod, bro. We went a little yeah. long today. Yeah, it's it's in honor of Mamba Day. Let's, uh, so, let's end on 24 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking that one twenty-four. So we actually got forty seconds of filibustering. Hello, my baby. Hello, my dog. <laughs> Have I talked to you guys about the Wheat Act in America? <laughs> Let me talk to you about it. it. Started in eighteen. I don't know. That was that was my attempt at filibustering. Uh, remember, so as the government would stop guaranteeing student loans. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we're, no, we're not going to finish until 2.24 if you start talking about this. Uh, as always, shout out to our social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Room 303. Uh, our models humming. Follow us for pics. Let us know. Like, comment, subscribe, download. What do you got, Jermaine? That's it. At Room 303. Good recorder out. Hey, Room 303 listeners. Are you looking for a way to make every game day exciting, even when your favorite team isn't suiting up? Then Thrive Fantasy is the destination you're looking for. A one-of-a-kind daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have options for NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports. Guess what? They even take all the research out of it for you by only asking about top-tier athletes in their respective sports. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is, baby. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Build your lineup daily and earn all that moolah. For NFL, choose 10 out of 20 player prop options. NBA, MLB, PGA, and eSports, choose 5 out of 10 player prop options. With PGA having new contests each match day, Thursday, Friday, and so on. Still on the fence? Well, here's the nudge you need. Use promo code Room 303 when you sign up and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. I'll repeat that. Promo code Room 303. A $20 bonus. Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes since launch in 2018. What are you waiting for? To be up 28 to 3? Download Thrive Fantasy now and prop up today. Not all states qualify.